spend and invest a few moments in prayer. God, we thank you that you are God, and and we thank you that you love us. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. I thank you for the joy that we have as we walk in a relationship with you. And God, we want to pray for all of us, and we want to pray especially for those who have been impacted by the coronavirus. I pray that we would be people who demonstrate your love to all those around us, that we would be wise as we determine how to serve and how to truly be a tangible presence of grace to those in our family, in our neighborhood, in our community. I invite you just to take a moment to pray for your family and friends and neighbors, especially for those who are at a higher risk for contracting this disease. Would you pray that they be healthy and that if medical treatment is necessary, that the medical professionals would have wisdom and skill in treating them. Let's pray for our family, friends, and neighbors right now. Father, we pray for those who feel isolated and alone during this time. We pray that we would be your hands and your feet as we engage with people and let them know that they are truly not alone. I pray that you would help us build relationships even though we're physically separated. God, we thank you that you hold us in your hand and we praise you that you're walking with us. I pray that we would be aware of your presence. Thank you, Father. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray, amen. Well, hey, good morning. Thank you uh, for joining us here, uh, especially those who are joining on Facebook Live. It's great to engage with everyone this morning. Uh, I'd like to thank those who are here uh, today and, and those making this live stream possible uh, with an abundance of, of hand, ti- hand sanitizer and uh, our f- f- low five gatherings and, and those types of things. We are uh, trying to do our social distancing as recommended and take those wise safety health measures. Uh, before I jump into the message, I want to make you aware of a few announcements this morning. Uh, all of these are on the website. They're also on the app if uh, you want to follow up with any of these. We invite you to keep uh, an eye on the website and emails, uh, and we will inform you of any changes as they occur. Uh, the PCC Children's Ministry would like to remind you that we have our annual Easter egg hunt on Easter Sunday morning, collecting uh, donations of peanut-free candy and small toys to fill those Easter eggs now through April 5th. If you have any questions, you can contact Michelle Bostwick. Uh, if you have any questions about the student events that are happening, the bowling night and the movie night that are scheduled, you can check with R- Roberto via email, and he'll be keeping you updated on GroupMe. Uh, and if you have any questions, reach out to him for that. The Moms Prayer Group will be meeting online on Friday, March 27th from 7 to 8.30. And to connect with that, you can talk to... Uh, Yu Kyung uh, about that. Our PCC Outdoor Spring Cleanup is scheduled for Saturday, March 28th from 9 to 12. Uh, There's lots of information about what's actually going on on the website, and you can let us know if you're planning to attend and what tools you can bring just to help make that uh, day go uh, more smoothly and so we can accomplish what we need to accomplish. If you have any questions, please let me know. Uh, We're excited about our parent-child dedication that's coming up on April 19th. That's the Sunday after Easter. Uh, Contact Michelle Bostwick if you have any questions about uh, what it means or if you want to participate in that. There are opportunities to serve. We found out this week that the Mercer Street Friends Food Bank, they're looking for small groups of people to come help put together Send Hunger Packing uh, 
bags and things for students. There's, uh, with the closing of schools, there's lots of students who are going to be short of food, and so uh, we're, they're, they're expanding what they're doing at, during this time. And so if you have an opportunity and want to go help them with that, uh, that would be great. They're one of our, our outreach partners, and so if you can serve there, uh, please contact them, and, and they'll let you know the exact details of how many and who and where and what and all, all of that. Also wanted to, to let you know one last thing as we're looking forward to warmer weather and hopefully uh, things getting back to relative norm normalcy. Uh, we have our PCC yard sale uh, coming up on May 2nd. It's the same date as the Pennington Borough and Brandon Farms community yard sales. And so spaces are free here in the church parking lot. We just ask that you register your space by April 13th. If you have any questions, contact Michelle Bostwick. So there you go. Hey, we are in week three of our series, Empty to Filled, uh, a series where we are anticipating being able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday morning on April 12th, and hopefully celebrating uh, being able to do that in person and and everybody back together. Uh, These are extraordinary times, aren't they? Uh, And on behalf of the leadership team and staff, we appreciate your patience and understanding, and we truly do covet your prayers as we seek to minister and lead well through this difficult time of uncertainty. Uh, The situation surrounding the coronavirus outbreak is fluid, and as uh, Michelle Bostwick said this week, we're trying to be like Gumby. We're trying to be really flexible uh, and adapt as things happen. And so for the next few moments, uh, I'd like to invite you to maybe uh, to think about something else, right? Let's focus on the opportunity that we have each and every day of our life, regardless of what's happening in the world around us and in our own lives and in the community and the nation, the world, uh, the opportunity to walk in relationship with God, to grow in our faith, to to take those steps so that we can uh, love God and love each other more and and, uh, as we go through our lives. So uh, as we get started with this, I'd like uh, just to pray for us that that would happen this morning. God, I thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I thank you for this opportunity to engage with each other in your name. Uh, We realize that uh, even though we're separated physically, that we can be united in you. We thank you that you're with us, and I pray that you would help us in these next few moments to focus on you. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So during this season of Lent, uh, I know that many people are fasting or they are uh, taking on certain spiritual disciplines, and we do so not simply to participate in you know, rituals or, or things like that. Uh, it's not even a way that we can prove our love to God, right? Like that's even possible. And instead, we strive to be emptied of ourself and the world's distracting illusions and focus on the love of Jesus so that we can be filled, but with a richer and stronger faith. Uh, We do that because we realize that here at PCC, we have that opportunity to grow as individuals and as a community of believers, to grow in our faith and to grow in our relationship with God and with each other. In fact, regardless of what's happening around us, the mission of the church is still to help people to discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. In our programming, in our ministries, whether it's virtual or in person, uh, we're striving to take the life of Jesus as our pattern for living. And as such, we we prioritize being together, and we are wise as we do that. We act in love as we do so. We hear and respond to the word of God with an emphasis in prayer. And all we do, we are lifting it before the Lord, and we strive to be a tangible presence of grace in our communities and in our world. And we're looking out for those around us who need the peace and the comfort of the Lord, especially in uncertain times as these. So this morning, as we kind of dive in and think about what that means for us, I invite you to grab your Bible and turn to the Old Testament book of Joel. Um, Joel chapter two is where we're going to be today. 
invite you to put the scriptures in your hands, uh, whatever that may look like, so you can be familiar uh, with them, and grab something to write on as well in case something strikes you uh, from the text and you decide to write that down. We began uh, this series by exploring this idea of being emptied of self in order to be filled with God, in order to be filled with Jesus. And what we found is the harder we try, the more we become aware of the fact that, that we cannot save ourselves, right? We are in desperate need of a savior. Uh, last week, we were challenged to consider how being a believer impacts our daily life. How does your faith make a difference in your life and cause you to live life differently than those around you that do not yet profess a faith in Christ? And examining all the things in which we fill our lives with, if you were here, you remember the, the life that we filled with all of those things, good things, but could it be that even a good thing in your life is hindering you from being filled with Christ? Is it preventing you from really focusing in on him and, and allowing him to fill you with all that he wants to fill you with? Uh, we talked about how, how do we consider uh, those things rubbish, right? Even the good things in our life. How do we compare those as garbage compared to knowing Christ, right? They're good in and of themselves, but compared to knowing Christ, they're nothing. And how do we allow that to impact our life? Today, we're going to explore uh, and look at our lives through the lens of being emptied in order to be filled as we explore what the prophet Joel says about repentance being something that's not just done outwardly, but inwardly. It's a matter of the heart. The book of Joel is one of those books of the Bible which I would guess you're probably not very familiar, right? It's probably not one you go to all the time. It's a short collection of important, yet at times, confusing poems. If you want a great overview of the book of Joel, I encourage you to go to the Bible Project website and, and watch their video on it. It's, uh, it's from that video that I share some information and insights about this book. Uh, the book of Joel is similar to many of the other Old Testament books of prophecy in that it addresses the consequences of sin and the need for Israel to repent. Joel quotes from other prophets like Isaiah and Zephaniah, Obadiah and others. Uh, the first two chapters, the overall theme is the day of the Lord, both when God showed up in the past and also the hope that God will show up again to deliver or to save his people at some point in the future, on a future day of the Lord. Chapter one is a poem focused on a past day of the Lord, when things went wrong and the people, including Joel as the prophet himself, they were not only called to repentance, but they also did acts of repentance. Chapter two is also a poem. It focuses on a future day of the Lord, a, a time where people are called to repent and to pray, uh, to, uh, to think about what it means to, to surrender to the Lord. And, and we'll come back and talk about that in just a moment. We also see uh, in this book, uh, God's merciful and loving response, followed by a promise that God will restore the people and he will restore and redeem the land. Uh, in this book, the prophet Joel, he shows how Israel's sin led them to disaster, but with God being a God of mercy, the people could always have hope. Chapter three details God's response to the people, a response designed to give them hope for what is to come on that future day of the Lord. And for our time together this morning, I want us to look at chapter two and highlight a couple of verses uh, as we Look at what it means to be emptied in order to be filled. Chapter two begins by describing in a lot of detail this pending destruction and defeat of the nation of Israel. Things are so bad that in verse 11 of chapter two, the prophet Joel says this, the day of the Lord is great, it is dreadful. Who can endure it? 
But then in verse 12, we see this sharp turn in the story take place. Joel calls on the people to pray and to repent. Look at what he says beginning in verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offering and drink offerings for the Lord your God. From this text, I wanna highlight how the people are called to respond to this impending day of the Lord. The first thing they're called to do is return to the Lord. There in verse 12, uh, we, we see that again. The first phrase there is, even now declares the Lord. When we consider the context in which Joel is writing, the idea is that things do not look good, right? Destruction seems inevitable. Destruction seems imminent. There's no reason for hope. And yet the Lord declares even now, even in the darkest of times, even now when all hope seems lost, when there's confusion, when there's fear, even now. The phrase brought to mind uh, the account of Martha and her interaction with Jesus in John chapter 11. Martha's brother, Lazarus, is dead. She'd hoped that Jesus would show up, right, and prevent uh, her brother from dying, but he did not, and death did. And in the midst of her loss and her grief, she says to Jesus in verse 22, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask, even now. When all hope seems lost, I believe. Even now I have faith. Even now I trust you. Even now, declares the Lord. Believe in me, have faith in me, trust in me. In your life, return to me. How do we do that? A couple different ways. With all your heart is the first thing that it says. Uh, In this passage in Joel, the imperative command, it's a command. You are to return to the Lord with all your heart. This language is similar to what we find in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 13, uh, Joshua chapter 22 and chapter 23, multiple times in 1 Samuel as well as in Jeremiah. From those occurrences, we see this phrase, all your heart, to describe this complete devotion of will. It's deeply connected to the greatest commandment as recorded in Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The idea is that no half-hearted measure will be sufficient. The call is to change, to change the direction of our lives and let go of the things which have brought them to this point. To return to the Lord with all your heart is a total commitment. We also see that they're called to return to God with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Uh, These are activities, uh, they were and in many ways still are, an outward expression of what's happening in our lives. Uh, I'm sure you know of someone or maybe even uh, in your own life, you've experienced times of, of weeping and crying, being unable to eat due to something tragic happening in your life. I know that this is true for me. There, there are three instances that stand out in my life as I was thinking through this. Uh, I was in middle school when my grandpa Casey passed away and he, he passed away very unexpectedly. And I remember when my mom told my dad the news when he walked through the door coming home from work, I saw a grief in my father, a type of grief that I had never seen before. For me, I can still hear the cries of my cousin when she mourned and she painfully exclaimed, my mom is gone. And when my grandpa Yorick died, 
Uh, that there was a sudden onslaught of, of grief and tears. And still today, there, there's this sense of mourning within me from his death, from, from that loss. I know many of you have probably experienced the same emotions. For you, thinking about weeping and mourning and fasting brings to mind several different things, whether it be a hospital room or, or a car crash, a devastating fire or, or something. It's a type of, of gut-level, all-inclusive emotion and returning to God that is the response to which we're being called. In the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, we see this response of fasting and weeping and mourning often combined with tearing your garment or or your clothes uh, yet as another outward expression of what's happening within you. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, we read that King Saul and his son Jonathan had been killed And when David received the news, it says, then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son, Jonathan. The main idea I think that we can take from this passage of Joel is that returning to God involves your whole self and includes a deep emotional and gut level impact in your life. And there are outward expressions of that as we desire to return. What makes what Joel said in verse 13 so significant is is that internal part. We see the major difference is the way that, that Joel is calling the people to return to God. Look at what it says in verse 13. He says, rend your heart and not your garments. The second thing they're called to do is to rend their hearts. This word rend is not a word we use a lot anymore. It's not something with which we are familiar. It means to rip or to tear apart. It's like this, right? It's to take a piece of fabric and we take the fabric. Usually they did that with pieces of clothing, right? Something they were wearing. Because when the news came, they immediately said uh, it was part of their expression of grief. that They would be so distraught and overwhelmed that they would tear their clothes as if what I'm wearing now, I will never forget this time, forget this day. Here in the text, though, Joel says what? He says to rend your heart. So what does it mean for us to rend our heart? What's it mean for us to tear our heart? I hope this visual illustration helps, right? But I know that it can't really get at the visceral nature of what this text is trying to say, the intensity of which Joel is trying to communicate God's desire for us. There's this this depth and range of emotion in our life that's really hard for us to grasp. This grieving and mourning and weeping, even anger and sorrow, not over a loss or something that's happened to us, but because of our sin. Let that sink in for just a moment. We are to rend our heart, have our heart break, torn in two because of our sin. When we consider the fact that we are sinners in need of a savior, we, our sin has created separation from God. The text calls us to render our heart to experience grief and mourning and sorrow. And I would say that not very often do we think or experience our sin to such depth of that emotion and distress. And yet, if we truly understand the severity of our consequences of our sin, both here on earth and in a relationship with God, I think it would result in true grief. That's one of the potential outcomes of participating in and observing Lent, in looking at what it means to be emptied of self and filled with God. You see, 
the, the beautiful and wonderful message is that God did not leave us in our grief and sorrow. We're not destined to be separated from him. Our grief is to remind us that we are in desperate need of a savior. And as we look towards celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, we have hope and we have confidence of the forgiveness and the relationship with him because of Christ. One of the things that was impactful for me to understand of the significance in rendering our heart is that there's more to returning to God than just external displays of our faith or whatever that is. It, 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 there's more to it than just ripping our clothes, right? There's more to it than just an outward response. We need that internal reality which results in the external response. It's wholeheartedly returning to God, to the one to whom can give us his blessing. And that's the third thing in our response. We can receive his blessing. Look again at verses 13 and 14. It says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sin and calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. Where there is true rendering of the heart, God's grace and love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness and blessing are not only available to us, but God willingly and joyfully gives those things to us. That's his desire for us to experience those things. And one of the results is that it moves us deeper into our faith and deeper into a relationship with God, a relationship that includes those spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading the Bible and giving and thanksgiving and serving. And we do those things not because they're required, but because it's an outward expression of an internal reality, the growing of our faith and our relationship with Christ. As one author said, this is not merely about a set of rituals, but about grief over sin that then motivates a true heart change. The fasting and mourning is important, but the most crucial direction he gives is for the hearts to be turned back to him. And so as we participate in Lent, by fasting from something, by engaging in spiritual disciplines, as we think about what it means to grow in our faith and in our relationship with Christ, it has the potential to cause our hearts to become aware of the reality of our sin, the reality of our shortcomings and our need for a savior. It causes us to be able to ask, what is it in our lives that needs to be emptied? What of ourself needs to be emptied? Do we need to be emptied of our self-justification? of our self-righteousness, of our own self-value? What do we need in order for God to reveal himself so that we can realize that we are desperately need to be filled by him? The, the fabric, the, the life, the tearing our garments, this, this thing is, is good, and it was something that was the expression of what they were going through, but it needs to be more than just an outward expression of life. Instead, we need to be able to rend our heart, to tear our hearts, to allow God to break our hearts because of our separation from him. And then in doing so, we can truly be filled with him and we can discover and experience his love. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, um, it's often good to have a visual, uh, something that I can uh, look at, something that would remind me uh, of what's going on and something I need to focus on. Uh, an activity you could do this week, um, if you want to pick up a heart of some sort or make a heart, 
Uh, and, and this is something that, that you could put on your mirror in your bathroom. You could put it on your table. Uh, you could uh, stick it to your fridge or the dash of your car and you laminate it, use it as a coaster, whatever you want to do with it. Uh, another option would be to, to cut a heart shape in red or whatever color, and then, then you could write on it the ways in which God is revealing to you of how you need to rend your heart, how you need to surrender to him and, and what you need uh, to do as an inward expression and then allow that to flow out of your life. Um, it might be a reminder of how our hearts are to break. So maybe for you, you need to make one and then very symbolically tear it as a reminder of how we are to rend our hearts before the Lord. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we pray that you would give us strength. We pray that you would give us the courage to rend our hearts before you, to grieve over our sin in order to return to you. Father, so that we may then grow in our faith and grow in our relationship with you. I'm so thankful that you are full of love and grace and mercy and kindness and forgiveness. Thank you that you desire to bless us and to walk with us in a relationship regardless of, of where we've been and who we are and what we've done. You want to meet us where we are and love us right there. Thank you, Father, that you are with us. We, we thank you so much for your great love. I pray that we would be aware of your presence, that as we go throughout this day and this week, that we would know you are there. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, I really wanna invite you to consider uh, this week what it looks like to, uh, to rend your heart before the Lord, to respond to the Lord uh, by rendering your heart. Um, to, I don't know for you what it's gonna be like for God to fill you with his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. But I know that as we do that, that we will truly discover and experience his love. For you, that may mean accepting Jesus for the first time in your life. Maybe you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to be obedient in baptism. Maybe you wanna to talk to someone. Maybe you want someone to pray with you. We would love to engage with you and have the opportunity to do that. So if you fill out one of those cards, you could drop it in the, in the uh, offering trays on your way out, or you could email us and we'd love to connect with you. Um, my encouragement to you this week is to allow the love of God to fill you, to fill your heart and allow him to take your broken heart, your torn heart, your ripped heart, and to mend it and to heal it and then to fill it with him. Uh, stay safe this week, be healthy. Uh, as my family likes to say, make wise choices. Have a great week and uh, peace be with you.